Hi, my name is Jenny Donnelly, and this is Shauna Danberg, and you have joined the Don't Mess With Our Kids podcast. There are mothers of every age, grandmas, mama bears, who have had enough because the attack on our children has gone too far. And there is a grassroots movement called Don't Mess With Our Kids that is rising in America. And it's very easy to engage in this. And we need the voices of women more than ever for the family unit in America. And so a way to engage, you're doing it right now. You're listening to this podcast. We'd love for you to subscribe and even share this with the people that you know. And also put this on your calendar, April 13th in your state capital, we will be meeting to pray, to take communion together, to celebrate our faith. But we will also be talking about Reformation strategies to see things turn around for America. And then last but not least, we are going to be meeting in the fall of 2024, one million women and their families to meet in Washington, D.C. at our nation's capital. So much more to talk about that is so exciting what God is doing, but the time is now. It is time to use your voice. In fact, speaking of which, the guest that we have on today, she decided to use her voice, Shauna. I can't wait to hear her story. And her story is amazing. And mm -hmm. when she used her voice, she got quite an in interesting response and she is fighting back because of the sake for other people in the education system and other people out there that are going to want to use their voice in the days to come right. as people become more and more intimidated to use their voice in their workplace, in the schools, that kind of thing. So I'm not going to give it away. I'll leave it right there because you're going to hear her story, but let me read her bio before we bring her on. This is Jessica Tapia and her lawyers with us today too. Her name is Julianne and Jessica is a Christ follower. She's a wife to her high school sweetheart and a mother of three. She graduated from California Baptist University where she received her bachelor's degree in kinesiology, single subject teaching credential in physical education and master's degree in education. She spent six years as a middle and high school physical education teacher before she was fired this past January. When she spoke up about the transgender directives that were placed on her after students had found her conservative views via social media, her school district fired her because they, quote, could not accommodate her religious beliefs. So let's bring on Jessica Tapia and also welcome her lawyer, Julianne. And Julianne, you're from Advocates for faith and freedom. Thank you so much for what you're doing to defend the rights um, that we have as American citizens in our faith. We're so glad about that. And Jessica, thank you for being here. You know, I want to say this before I have you just share your story is I saw you initially on Instagram and I think something probably went viral and, you know, it hit my my reels. And I remember just seeing you speaking out about what had happened and I was so thankful for you, didn't know you, but so thankful that there was a woman who was brave and you had so much kindness in you, but you were standing for truth. And I just thought, God, let there be more women like Jessica. And that's the point of today is that women who are listening today, that they would hear this story, they would hear about your courage, they would hear about how you stood up for what you believe for the truth. And you know what? It didn't work out. 
initially in your favor, but we believe that God never loses. And we know that victory is certain for you. And we know that it was worth it for you to um, use your voice. And so what I want to do is I want you to share a little bit more about yourself and then just tell us the story. Tell us what happened and we'll just have this conversation along the way. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Jenny. I just adore you and it's so good to meet you, Shauna. Um, so in terms of about me, the the bio pretty much covered it. I guess I could tell you a little bit um, more about um, just life growing up. Um, that I always thought actually was going to be like the main testimony of my life, what, my, what I went through in my childhood. And then to, to walk into um, the season I'm in now with, with this whole new trial and essentially testimony um, that God has given me out of taking a stand, I'm like, oh, there's a whole new testimony he's given yeah. me, you know, that well, I tell us now. a little bit about your childhood. Tell us what you thought that testimony is going to be, because obviously that still is your testimony, but yes. share that because yes. we would love to know that aspect. Yeah, it absolutely is still, um, you know, one of the testimonies the Lord has, has given me. And so um, growing up, um, my mom became addicted to drugs. And at seven years old, I actually had to take my first stand. And you know what? The Lord really spoke to me recently and said, he reminded me as, I, as I'm walking through this season, you know, post-termination and losing my career. And he reminded me, you, you know, you started standing for what was good, right, and true when you were seven years old and you had to stand for yourself as a child. Now you're standing for other kids. And so to go further into that, um, I just knew at seven years old, I was not in good living conditions um, with my mom addicted to drugs. There would be men in and out of the house. Um, I would have to wake her up to take me to school. And I loved school. I was a straight A student. I, I held pride in the fact that I would always get 100% on my spelling tests. And I, looking back, I think now it's because it's the one thing that I probably had control over. Um, but I had a really, really rough childhood. And um, there was various types of abuse that I endured, as well as my sister. And at seven years old, I just knew um, that I shouldn't be be living in, in that environment and going through what I was going through and praise the Lord um, that he gave me an angel here on earth. And that's my grandma. And I went to her and I told her that I wanted to live with her and, um, you know, just told her what I was going through with my mom. And she said, okay, just let your mom know that you're going to come live with me and you can. And I remember that day very clearly, and I don't remember a lot from my childhood, I think because I've worked probably to block a lot out, sadly, but I do remember this moment very clearly in the kitchen, um, in the house that I, I grew up in, in El Monte, California, and I was crying, and my mom and my grandma were right there, and I you know, looked at my mom, and I told her, I, I want to go live with grandma from here on out, and you know, my mom was very emotional about it. I, I remember her being on drugs and her emotions were pretty out of control, um, you know, but she allowed me to go and I left and I started living with my grandma at seven years old and we moved out to Riverside, California. And uh, my grandma was working at a hospital in West Covina and she would literally wake up at 
5 a.m. every morning, she would take me, drop me off at my aunt's house in Rancho Cucamonga, uh, someone, you know, that she trusted. And I would essentially go to school and be taken care of by my aunt during the day while my grandma worked at the hospital. She'd get on a Metrolink, go, come back. Like, I'm just, it makes me emotional to remember and think of everything that my grandma has done and just how hard she's worked for you know, me to have a a good life. And so essentially she's the one who, you know, introduced me to Jesus, took me to church, um, you know, read me the Bible. And um, so. That is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like there's some grandmas listening right now (laughs) that need to just understand, you know, maybe their own child, their own adult child has had some really tough goes at life. And yet those grandbabies are still theirs. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I love that so much. Okay. So you lived with your grandmother, which is incredible because she inspired you to um, make Jesus Lord of your life. You loved school. Mm -hmm. And then when did you decide to become a teacher? When did that happen? Yeah. So I, I never want to leave that testimony right there because, um, I do, I do want to, you know, finish it off and, um, share that my mom, um, at when I was 18, she got pregnant with her third child. And up to that point, I was, had tons of bitterness towards her. I was not talking to her actually, as my grandma had guardianship of my sister and I, my sister would go visit her. I would not, I did not want to. Um, but when she got pregnant with her third child, it was like, oh my gosh, but I love babies. And it's like the Lord, the Lord knew what I needed for that wall to come down. And it absolutely did. And so at 18 years old, my mom had her third baby. She became completely clean, um, free free from drugs. Um, so my little brother is now uh, 13 years old. So my mom's been, been clean and her life has just completely, um, been turned for good and, and we're, you know, best of friends now. So it's amazing. It's, it's absolutely amazing. I got to help her essentially raise my brother cause I was 18. So people assumed that he was mine when we were yeah. out and about. Um, so yeah. So right after high school, um, I, I went right up the street. I'm a homebody to California Baptist University. And in thinking of what I wanted to, you know, study or specialize in or become, all I could think of was that I had a passion for health and fitness. I loved being an athlete. Um, And so what made sense was studying kinesiology. So I got my bachelor's in that. And I was actually um, gearing towards becoming an occupational therapist. Um, and actually got into Loma Linda University to get my doctorate there in OT. And the time that the program was going to start was right when I was going to get married to uh, my high school sweetheart, who I met on the swim team in high school, which is a whole other crazy story because his mom was the coach and she invited me to her girls Bible study. Um, And that was all before starting to date uh, my husband. But Um, the people at Loma Linda were like, you know what, it's, this program's intense. We want you to enjoy your wedding and your honeymoon. It's probably best we hold your acceptance for a year, let you enjoy that and then come, come back in a year and we'll get started. But I'm very like, 
go, go, go. Very busy body. I struggled, you know, to rest. Um, so, you know, I got married and then I was like, okay, I can't just like sit around for a year, you know, waiting to start my doctorate program. So someone said I could substitute teach with my bachelor's. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. I'll start doing that. And so I started doing that at the very um, school district that I was a student at. Um, and God just made it clear in my experience as a sub that teaching was, you know, what he's gifted me to do. Um, and it, it made sense because I had been as a teenager teaching swim lessons or teaching horseback riding lessons or tutoring. So it, it definitely made sense that teaching was, you know, what he had gifted me with. So, um, yeah, I went, as I'm substitute teaching, I went back to CBU, got my credential in PE, physical education. And, um, then I, I began teaching. I was hired immediately at the school district that I had been subbing with. And again, I was a student at, so, you know, I had a great rapport there. And um, yeah, it was history from there in terms of, of my teaching career. Okay. So how long were you teaching before, you know, before you got terminated? What was the time frame? And of course, we want to hear the story of you know, how did you go from I'm teaching, I'm in my calling, I'm at the school that I actually went to as a student, and then boom, one day something changed. So we want to hear about that. But how long was the time frame between you being hired there and the termination? Yeah, so I was terminated at the end of my sixth year of teaching. So my first year, I was hired at, at the high school um, that I was eventually fired from. Um, after that first year, I went to a middle, the middle school I went to actually, um, for, and I taught there for four years and I loved it. And it's so funny too, because when I became, when I was becoming a teacher, I would always kind of tell God like, okay, anything but middle school. Okay. Anything but middle school. And then the bulk of my teaching ended up being at, in middle school. And I actually really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's such an interesting time for, for kids in middle school, because I, I always describe them as they are still like part kid, but they are, you know, working to become a teenager. So they're yeah. like both in one. Yes. Um, that's a good way to describe it. So yeah. were you in high school, were you terminated from working at a high school or a junior high? Yes. So then in, in the sixth year of my teaching, um, a position had, had come open at okay, the high school, um, actually like the, the female PE position because the PE teacher had retired and she had actually been there since the school opened. Oh, um, wow. so, and she actually like gave me a heads up that she was retiring. And if I wanted to, you know, be at the high school. And so, you know, my thought was, yeah, I, there was, you know, a couple reasons why I wanted to be at the high school. Um, one was I was also coaching when I substitute taught and that um, became a huge passion of mine. Gosh, I loved, loved coaching. Just the connection that I got to have um, with, with my athletes was incredible. Um, so obviously coaching, you know, seriously coaching takes place at the high school. I also did like their schedule a little bit better. Um, just as a mom, it, you know, work started earlier. So I got out earlier and felt like I had a little more of the day with my own, you know, three children after work. 
Um, so yeah, I, I, I applied for that position and because I was already in, in the district, all it was, was a, a quick little interview with a couple of the principals and immediately after the interview to move over to the high school, I got a call from the school district and they were like, well, of course they loved you. You've got it. I'm like, there you okay. Were. Okay. That's amazing. Okay. So when did you experience the, like a problem, like when were you made aware that your faith was, I'm not sure how this is phrased, but your faith was a problem for the school or it says here, they could not accommodate your religious beliefs. Um, so when did that all, how did that all start? Yeah, really interesting how that all came to be. So um, at the end of my last year of teaching, my sixth year of teaching, um, I mean, we're like about to go into summer. It's it's the end of the school year. And all of a sudden I notice on my social media that I'm getting some weird comments on some of my posts. And it was not typical of the type of comments I would receive. And it definitely came across as childish. And so I click on the profiles to see if I, I know who this is. And I recognize their faces to be students at the school that I teach at. And so that kind of really made me nervous because I'm like, I, I can't have any interaction, you know, via social media with current students where I work. So I'm just blocking and deleting their comments. And um, at one point, one of them commented back after I had deleted a comment and they said, too late, we've already sent this into the school district. And I'm thinking like, okay, like, I don't, I don't know what, what, that send what? Exactly. what? Yeah. You're thinking send what, what do you mean? Send this in. Right. That's already it's, public. Exactly. Yeah. I'm thinking like, like, did you send, what did you send in my, my profile, my post? Like, okay, obviously, you know, students have found my page. They have an issue with what I share on my platform. And I guess we'll see what happens from, from here. And really the next day um, I'm in fourth, my fourth period class. And one of the principals walks in and escorts me to the office into a room where the assistant superintendent is sitting and they have me sit down and he says, something's been brought to our attention via your social media, and we need to place you on paid administrative leave to investigate. And he repeatedly said he was sorry because he knows me. We actually met um, when I was a substitute teacher. He really liked me as a substitute teacher. He was a principal at an elementary school that I was subbing at and, and would ask me to come back. And um, he knew and me. He knew me. Jessica, what kind of posts are we talking about? Yeah. Like, so, you, yeah. Tell me, like, what is so offensive right now? So the one that um, students found and seemed to be really upset by initially, and then from there really went on a hunt on my page, was a video I had made in Kohl's. Um, honestly, I just walked in one day and it felt like I was just just walked into, you know, this whole store full of rainbow pride clothing. But that day I learned that they're making this apparel now for toddlers and babies. Yes. And it really just struck me that day, just like how far things have gone with this. And I'm just thinking how awful, how sad that, that people are putting 
a, a, a child, a 12 month old, a three year old in, you know, something that says pride with a rainbow, like their little brain doesn't even know what, what that means, what that entails. Um, and so I, I was sharing that out to moms. I have a lot of moms that follow me. And I think it's really important that we vote with our dollar and we are, um, you know, careful as to who and what we're supporting. Um, and so I, I was sharing that. And of course, you know, 14, 15 year old students turned that, you know, into some sort of hate towards the LGBTQ community. So they actually airdropped that video all through campus and, you know, tried to get as many other students upset about it, I guess. Um, but then they also went on, like I said, a hunt on my page and I actually have a highlight on my Instagram called Jesus. And it's just different things that I post from people who I follow and, you know, enjoy their content like Ali Beth Stuckey or um, Dale Partridge um, you know, my own pastor Bible verses that I personally nice. myself have posted and just wanted to save to the highlight. So they sent in about, I don't know, seven or eight screenshots of different things that I had posted on my Jesus highlight. Wow. And um, I'm kind of working backwards a little bit, but in, um, in the first meeting that I had with my school district post being terminated, um, or I'm sorry, not post being terminated before being terminated. I was actually like presented with a packet with allegations. And then at the back of the packet were exhibits and the exhibits wow. were my very own posts. And I That's just remember crazy. that moment, like so clearly where they, they showed me my own posts, like about God, a uh, scripture, you know, about being a Christian, um, um, in this world, you know, and, and I'm just in shock. Were you shocked? I mean, what? so like, just so shocked. Like I'm just looking back up at these people and like, all I have to say is, and what, like, and what, right. You're presenting this to me, like, like I've done something wrong. Yeah. Like you've committed a crime and you need to be really ashamed. Did you feel like I, we call it the, the spirit of intimidation, it's that thing that's like, I'm going to back you into a corner and make you feel like you're the bad guy. You're the one that needs to be quiet. And if you're not quiet, you're going to lose way more than you bargained for. Absolutely. That, All, did you find that attempt? I, um, I had three meetings in total with my school district, which were all just just a very intense things to endure. Um, but yes, in every single one of those meetings, I, I definitely felt that, that spirit. And um, I just had to continue to one, one, the Holy spirit made it clear that I was really stepping into spiritual warfare. Yeah. Um, and, and so as that fear would, would try to well up in me, um, you know, I had to just keep refocusing myself. Like your fear is in the Lord. Your fear is in the Lord, not, man. Man. not man. I know you're sitting, uh, you're sitting at a table across from your, your bosses essentially. Right. But, um, I, I, God am your boss ultimately. Yeah. And it's, it's actually really crazy. It's just, this whole year has been, I, I don't even have words. I really need to write a book for everything I've, ex I've experienced, but, um, 
you know, before I was even terminated, as I was going through these, these various meetings, one day God like really hit me through a song with this line, which is in scripture. Um, and it actually says you in Psalm 23, I'm sure everyone knows this, but you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And that's like exactly what it, what it felt like I was going through in these multiple meetings where I had, because of my beliefs, because of my faith, it felt like I had become the enemy of, of these people that once thought highly of me. And I was sitting at a table in the presence of them. And it was like, okay, here's my, my opportunity I mean, really, it's there's there's two choices here. You bow down, you know, to to these enemies or you you stand firm in what you know is good, right and true in the Lord. And so um, I'm looking I'm looking at your bio and I'm just looking at the part where it says she spoke up about the transgender directives that were placed on her. So what was that, Jessica, and what what became the grounds for your termination? It couldn't have been a picture on social media of scripture, but maybe it could be. I don't know. You tell us like sort of what are what were the grounds and what were what was that part about the transgender directives that were placed on you? Right. So after I was presented with the allegations and the exhibits of my social media posts, um, they Determined from there after I, I responded to and gave my store, my side of the, the story, so to say, um, they actually determined to bring me back. They decided, um, although the, their lawyer did said you did say you're just barely being allowed to come back to work because what you've done is so awful. Um, but they did call me back. But it was at that second meeting when letting me know that I still had my job that I was given a plan of assistance and directives. And that is really the moment where it was like everything came to a major halt for me because that's when when the convictions really came about as I'm I'm being presented with these directives. And number one was that I had to call students by their preferred gender or pronoun. Mm. You know, so I'm thinking like, okay, I'm, I have my role sheets, like my roster from the school district that says my student's name, you know, their gender, um, their ID number. I take role with this every day, but you're telling me that if, you know, one of them says, no, 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 like disregard the name and the gender on the roster. I am this now, like that. I just, I just go along with that. And so that was the first thing. And then they vocally let me know that if that was ever the case, I was to withhold that information from the student's parents. So it's, it's just getting worse. I stop and I actually look the assistant superintendent like dead in the eye. And I want to clarify, are you asking me to lie to parents? And they actually said, yes, it's for student safety and privacy. So, you know, they're attempting to justify why I need to potentially lie to parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they also gave me the directive of refraining from speaking to students about God or the Bible, because one of the allegations was that I did that. And I responded, 
to that allegation and I let my school district know, you know, I went to school to become a teacher and actually had a whole class around how to legally bring your faith in. Um, and of course, it can't be I cannot be proselytizing. I cannot be trying to convince students that they need to, you know, join my faith and my beliefs. But if a student comes to me with a question, which probably every single year that I taught, at least one or two or three students have come to me with a question, just random, right? Where do you go to church, Mrs. Tapia? Or, you know, what is that song I hear coming from your phone? I love that worship worship song. You know, we play that at church or... Um, another question I've gotten is, what Bible verse do you have memorized? Like just really random, innocent questions, but they are about my faith. And so I would answer those, you know, from the standpoint of just educating based on their question. And I let my district know that. And um, but they had decided in me returning from there on out, I was to completely refrain um, that I had to tell students this is not the time or the place, which you know, really broke my heart to think of that. Um, again, being being a child that myself knew what it was like to have a really rough up, upbringing and just be looking for, for someone who could give me hope and light and love. And it's like, what if what if I'm potentially that teacher for that student, but I am to now because you're telling me to just just turn them away. Um, and I and I actually said it's according to my faith that I am to always be ready with an answer for the hope that I have for anyone that comes asking like that's script that's scriptural. And um, so those were the three directives I was presented with and I was in complete turmoil. I drove home from that meeting just bawling like an absolute wreck. Um, honestly, when I got home and my husband saw the state that I was in, he said, he's like begging me to quit, like just close this door, walk away. Um, and I just didn't have peace about that. And I didn't want to make any decision in, in, you know, the midst of all the emotions. So, um, my mom was actually like, you can go off on stress leave. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can. And I need, I need to do that. Like I need to take time figure out what what is happening here and what do I do next? And so I went off for three months trying to decide what to do next. Um, and really, I saw it as I had three options. Uh, put my head in the sand and, you know, bow down to man and, and these directives they're giving me that I, I know are counter to, to my beliefs and to, again, what is truly good, right, and true for my students. Um, Secondly, would be to. So sorry. Okay, you're totally fine. They're so sweet. It's everyday life for us. So sorry, I should have locked it. You're totally fine. It's like, listen. It's like, listen. You've been gone a long time. I know. I'm done with your interview. I know. Um. So secondly my second, I guess, choice or decision potentially could be um, after the decision of just bowing down, going along with it would be to resign. Um, and 
as my pastor ended up pointing out when I got a chance to share my story with him, he, he said, that would have been quitting. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm glad I didn't do that. And then thirdly was, would be to just speak up, right? And let my district know um, I'm ready to come back to work, but there are a few things that I, I can't comply with. You know, it's against my, my faith and my beliefs to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So um, I really was was in in, ter- in turmoil for most of those three months. And it was a really interesting, like looking back now, I'm like, I can't imagine. I mean, I can because I lived it, but just all the ways in those three months that that Satan was really, really trying to get to me and Absolutely. keep me from taking a stand. Um, and, and honestly, one of the ways that he attempted to do that was even Christians, like even people from the church told me, advised me to just do whatever I needed to do to appease my employer and keep my job and keep my salary. Mm -hmm. And that didn't sit well with me. I mean, even honestly, even some of my own family members, you know, knowing my heart, knowing who I am as a teacher and knowing the impact I've had on students said, you know, just your students need you, you know, just, just get back, get back to them. You know what I mean? And so I am just like really like battling for these three months to figure out what to do. And there's definitely a lot of, of confusion. That's, that's trying to, to come in and as I'm trying to just make a decision and right at the end of, of my three months of stress leave, um, I think I prayed like a last prayer kind of in, in desperation because my stress leave was wrapping up and I was just like, Lord, please like just make it clear um, what I'm to do. And um, I actually got a divine appointment of a phone call with a couple in Washington and I connected with with the wife via social media and just she is just a, a very, very, um, you know, strong woman of God. And actually, I think she's part of the Her Voice movement because um, we've oh, talked about amazing. you, Jenny. Um, but she actually was like, we just want to call you and pray with you. We know you have have been battling this and mm-hmm. and we want to support you and just help in any way we can. So got on the phone with them one Sunday for like two hours. And I just like felt the Holy spirit there, like in the midst of our conversation. And as I'm telling them my story and everything I've gone through, the husband actually at one point chimes in and he's like, Jessica, I I don't even know what you look like. Like I, you know, it's my wife that follows you and and knows you. Um, But like right now I'm getting this vision of, a woman on a stage and she's sharing this story with thousands of people. He's like, this is, this is going to be your story. Like just stand firm. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what is right. You know what you need to do, you know, do it. And I'm just like, okay, that that was just like kind of the last, last thing I needed to hear. And it was really interesting to looking back now on that phone call. Like it felt like he really, prophesied over me in a way because I'm like there's no way I'm ever going to step foot on a stage and speak to (laughs) hundreds of people more like thousands and then I'm like looking back at this year like stages I have spoke to a lot of people a lot of large groups maybe not thousands yet um but I wouldn't wouldn't put it past the Lord so anyways yeah after that phone phone call 
um, I, I felt very confident in what to do next. Uh, and I just kind of needed them to push me over the edge and, and embolden me to take the, the stand in what I kind of knew, you know, deep down I, I needed to do. So I emailed my school district. I said, you know, as I said previously, I'm ready to come back to work. Um, but I will not be able to comply with X, Y, Z. I spoke from my faith when I explained why I wouldn't be able to refer students, you know, by their preferred pronoun, why I wouldn't be able to lie to parents, why I wouldn't be able to refrain from speaking to students about God or the Bible. And they emailed me back and said, it sounds like you're asking for a religious accommodation. So go ahead and come in um, to a meeting. And now we're in January of this year. So mid-January of this year, I go into my religious accommodation meeting and the school district's attorney um, had a few pages of questions for me about my faith. Where do you go to church? What do you read? How often? What is it about your faith that says you can't do these things we're asking you to do? And it was like, it felt like I was in the fiery furnace. It was crazy. It was intense. And it's like interrogation. It, it felt like it. And it was especially interesting to me that I was almost having to like, justify my faith or prove that I'm a Christian to people who, if wow. I had to make an assumption, are not. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it was just the strangest experience, but really at the same time, because of the questions they're answering, asking me, I mean, I'm giving them the word, like I'm giving them the gospel essentially. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I never imagined a moment like this, but here we go. Like I'm going to, you know, answer all of these questions, honestly. And wow. um, it also felt like they were really trying to see if I would waver in the answers I had already given them, which was no, no, and no, you know, mm -hmm. but they would kind of paint these different scenarios to see, well, would you bend in this situation type thing? And um, just, again, I stood firm, um, even though I was shaking, stood firm and oh that meeting ended. And so here is where the next directive came up. Um, at the end of that, they had one final question for me. They said, is there anything else we need to know about that you won't do because of your faith in your teaching position? And I said, while I'm in a unique position, I'm a PE teacher. I oversee a female locker room. So I'll let you know now I won't be allowing males into the female locker room. And the attorney attorney actually said that we have a whole other issue then, because if if a transgender student is requesting to use the female locker room, I would have to allow that. Wow. And again, I clarify like a boy, like male genitals, I would have to let in the girl's locker room. And, you know, they said if if female is how they are now identifying, yes. And I kid you not, I, I look at the two men in the room. One of them was my union rep. One of them was the assistant superintendent. They both have daughters and they put their head down when me and the lawyer had that clarification about the locker room policy. And gosh, it, it really hit me again in that moment um, how, how cowardly people are how cowardly even many Christians are. Um, and that word, 
that word coward is, is a huge part of my story because um, during COVID, we actually changed churches because our church like shut down, but we had heard of a church in SoCal that refused to shut down and his congregation like quadrupled and several people were suggesting I go, you know, try out this new church. So we do first sermon I hear was something I, I never knew was in the Bible. And um, me and my husband both go, Oh my gosh, how are, how are we just learning this? Why is a pastor never taught this before? But um, pastor Jack Hibbs, he taught on how being a coward is a sin. And it's, it's actually number one in a list of sins that are going to enter hell um, in the book of revelation. And so he just did a whole sermon on being a coward and that sermon hit me so hard. It stuck with me. And mind you, this is over two years ago, maybe three that I heard this sermon. And then as I enter into this whole trial, it's like, I immediately knew why I heard that sermon, why it stuck with me. And it was because I was entering a situation where um, it was going to be easy to cower and, and most would do that, but I was not to do that. And so that really helped me. Um, it's amazing. I'm just, I'm okay. Jessica, what is like really standing out to me right now is last night at my Bible study, one of the women who she is a nurse and at the hospital she worked at, she wouldn't get vaccinated. And so she was let go. Well, she was telling us just last night about how God had prepared her and had her surrender her job, you know, not for real yet, but like hypothetically. And she like laid it down. She was like, God, you can have it. I don't know why you're asking me to do this or what, but just, she just laid Mm -hmm. it down. Mm -hmm. And then not too long after that, she literally had to lay her career down. Right. And I'm thinking that this, your story is actually going to, this is why you're talking to so many people because people need to free surrender their job because these things are going to happen. They presented you with your social media. And because of that, now you were put on some sort of probation and had to, I don't know if that was the right word, but Mm -hmm. where you had to follow these directives. It's like, people have to be prepared for that. You weren't prepared, but you were prepared because when you were seven, you had been prepared your whole life. I wrote Mm -hmm. down Jessica that setbacks are really setups for Jessica, Mm -hmm. like your Mm -hmm. whole life all the setbacks have been set ups. And Mm. so I just, I just honor you for being a forerunner and being a tip of a spear because you're going to help many other people make that decision ahead of time because you were ready when it came, but some aren't, they hang their head low when actually they, they believe the same thing you do. Mm -hmm. So Thank you for what you're doing. I don't know if you've got one other thing, Jenny, you pulled out your Bible. Yeah. I was thinking of a scripture and I'll share this at the end, just because it's, it's about the persecutions that we have been promised that we will face as Christians. And I think that maybe some people didn't get the memo on that, (laughs) or we just didn't want to hear that or whatever. Um, this isn't just a story about Jessica. This is a story about all of us that are going to have to face a spirit. We believe it's a spirit. It's not people. Um, but we are going to face this thing that says, you know, we don't want you saying anything about God. We want you to have no light to give the darkness. 
And so these persecutions are going to be available to all of us. And I'm so grateful for your story because you chose out of those three options, you chose to stand in the face of persecution and speak the truth for which you've laid your life down for. I can't imagine how this has strengthened your faith. I can't imagine. Um, I just see like, like instantly securing you as a daughter of God in such a way that you probably don't even recognize yourself after, you know? And so I would just say to anybody listening, take courage, take courage on what you're hearing today, because what you're not listening to is a woman who is broken down and crying in the corner. She's actually speaking out, speaking up and more courageous than ever before, even though you were terminated. So when you were terminated, um, did you know that you would have a potential uh, case that you could file? T tell me about that part. I know we have Julianne here today to answer any questions that we have about the case itself. So Julianne, you can jump in if you want to. But I think a lot of people don't know that there are organizations out there that are ready to yeah. stand with us. So we're not alone. We think, oh my goodness, I can't do anything. I'm all alone. But really there are these organizations that are ready to um, basically look at the law and say that this was unlawful for you to be yeah. terminated. So could you speak into that just a little bit? Yeah, I'll, I'll speak a little bit and Julianne might be able to add to it, but I was actually in communication with her before I was ever fired. Um, and she was so kind. She heard my story. I started sending her some documents um, and they were, I mean, advocates was essentially getting ready to, to go and to step in and, and represent me if need be. But I mean, you know, they did let me know we can, there's only potential, you know, for a case if they do fire you. So I'm like, okay, so, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm going through all of this kind of, you know, by myself. And it, and it was weird because in some of the meetings, it felt like I should have a lawyer there, but I mean, I wasn't terminated. I had my union reps and, you know, I guess that's all I, all I needed at that point. Um, but yeah, once I, once I was terminated, it, I mean, it was official, um, I had already, you know, been told by several lawyers that 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 would be when I would have a case is upon termination. Okay. Wow. That's absolutely incredible. Julianne, do you have anything that you want to say for anybody out there that, you know, none of us hope that we face something like this, right? But many, many, many people do. And you see it probably every single day. Do you, what kind of maybe advice or um, instruction do you have for people that have never faced anything like this? Yeah, what's what's incredible is as as we've been listening to you know Jessica share her story. Um, the unfortunate thing is that there are other individuals who are facing the same type of discrimination for their their faith. Um, but the encouraging part is that there are also people like Jessica who are choosing to stand up for their their convictions and their faith and I know earlier in in the show we were talking about this intimidation factor and how easy and um how it's much easier to in the face of this intimidation and in these interrogations where you're being questioned by your supervisors or your employer um, about your faith um, it's it's so much easier in that moment to put your head down in the sand and to uh, attempt to erase anything uh, that that happens or you don't want to rock the boat. Um, but the law is absolutely on, 
on Jessica's side, um, no employer can discriminate against an individual for their religious beliefs. What, what the school district did to Jessica is completely unconstitutional. And we have uh, years of Supreme Court precedent that, that, supports, that supports Jessica. And so uh, our organization, we're a nonprofit organization, which means we don't charge any of our clients that come to us um, because we truly believe in an individual's um, ability to live out their, their faith in their community, in their workplace, in their home, in the school. And so uh, we believe uh, not only in, our, in, in Jessica's case, but in the, the principle behind the cases that we, we take on. And so we are absolutely available to, to represent individuals that are facing uh, discrimination. And something that I like to highlight about Jessica specifically is her religious beliefs didn't change in the entire um, tenure of her employment with the school district. Her beliefs, her religious convictions did not change. The same Jessica who started her student teaching um, is the same Jessica that was terminated for those for her religious beliefs. Um, what did change uh, was the school district's uh, desire to to put forth their own uh, ideology, and they wanted Jessica to accept and celebrate and promote their own ideology. And again, the, the, the Supreme Court doesn't stand for that. The legal precedent doesn't stand for that. And so um, advocates were prepared to represent individuals like Jessica uh, so that they can continue to exercise their First Amendment rights. Jessica is an incredible teacher. Uh, she values uh, being able to pour into uh, students' lives, just as she had teachers pour into her own life when she was uh, in high school and growing up. And so uh, I think it's it's very easy to be intimidated by your su supervisor or your employer, um, but the law trumps any type of uh, action or words stated by an employer. And so uh, I would encourage anyone that's, you know, finding themselves in this this position of having to either bury their head or stand by their convictions, um, stand by your conviction because the principle is always so much stronger uh, and so much more rewarding. And um, the legal, when you have the law on your side, you can't be ashamed. Um, and so I would encourage uh, individuals like Jessica to be inspired by her own story uh, and to continue to stand by their, their religious convictions. This is so encouraging. I think that if this had happened to me even just a few years ago, I would have had no idea what to do. I wouldn't have understood my rights. I wouldn't even know what the law is. I would feel very emotional about it. But thank God for people who um, are like advocates for faith and freedom coming along and doing this as a nonprofit. This is really, really special. So Jessica, we ask every guest to pray over our audience, to pray over us. And so we would love for you just to kind of tie up this episode that's been so amazing. I mean, we usually stop at about 30 minutes. We're like, we can't. We have to <laughs> let this keep going. This is so powerful, yeah. so good. But would you just pray over us, pray over people like you that are in these situations or will be, but whatever's on your heart. Yeah, certainly. Dear Heavenly Father, um, we thank you first and foremost for faith. Um, if it weren't for that, I would not have been able to step out um, and continue to walk in it all this year. Um, and we never go wrong. We never will go wrong when we walk in faith. And I know it's hard um, to 
have hope in and believe in something you cannot see, but that's exactly what faith is. And that's exactly what you call us to do. And that's exactly how we're set apart from the rest of the world as salt and light, because we, we live by faith or we should live by faith. And, um, as, as hard as it was for me to walk through what I did, I'm, I'm grateful that I got this opportunity to step out in faith and, and grow my faith and hopefully now be of an encouragement to anyone that you have hear my story. And I just want to thank you, Lord, for Jenny and Shauna and Julianne, all incredible um, women of faith in, in their own you know, giftings and, and anointings. And, um, I just want to pray a special blessing and protection over Jenny. Uh, she's definitely, um, stirring up some demons, which, which we ought to be doing. Um, and as you know, she made the cover of Rolling Stones. And I think that's great because she's absolutely rolling stones away. And she is showing so many women how to just, open their mouth, just use their voice. And, and our voice is quite literally our weapon in this spiritual warfare that we found ourselves in. And, and we use our voice as a weapon through, through prayer and through worship and through exposing what is evil um, and, and bringing hope and light in a dark time. So I just want to pray over anyone who has listened to this and and is hearing this right now that you would just embolden their spirit, um, whatever it is that they are are feeling like they need to take a step out in faith in, um, that you would just give them the clarity and affirmation right now that that they can do it because they have the power of your Holy Spirit and the authority of you inside of them. Um, to to be able to do every good work that you've laid out. You have supplied us with what we need to fight for righteousness and fight for justice um, and stand in truth always, no matter what. So uh, just thank you, God, that we are, are here and we are living and we are answering your call at such a time as this. Um, Thank you again for for these ladies. I I pray a blessing over them um, right now in your precious holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you, ladies, so much. This has been so great. And I promise you this, there is going to be at least one, if not dozens of people who needed this message today because of where they're at or where some of us are going to be. So thank you so much for your time. Tell your little ones. They were so good while mom was on her broadcast. That's my life too. And so, um, but they look like they had lots of giggles and they were having a lot of fun. So um, thank you so much for your time today, ladies. I really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. So Shauna, I want to read this because Jessica just brought up, you know, just the persecution and this scripture came to me. It's Matthew 10, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. 
for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. It goes on a little bit, and then it goes into a whole paragraph about um, Jesus teaching the fear of God. So I don't think that we're in a time right now that we can afford to be one foot in, one foot out. I believe that we're in a time right now where it's just, we're all in, we're courageous because of God's spirit in us, and we're going to speak and give accountability for what we believe. And I believe most of us, if not all of us, are going to be confronted with a spirit that says, why do you believe what you believe? You can't do that. And I just want to tell everybody here that God plans to give a good answer out of your voice with resolve. If you have resolve, he will give a good answer that will be kind, but it will be true, both of those together. So this has been awesome today. I'm so glad we had Jessica on here. And this has been an amazing episode of Don't Mess With Our Kids. And we can't wait to have you next time. We'll see you guys soon.